Hi, and welcome to episode 333 of No Crying in Baseball, the Christmas Miracle episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, so I want to know the numerology interpretation of 333 equaling a Christmas miracle, because it seems like there should be some connection there, some mystical connection, right? 333. Um, you know, those who are like all on Christmas don't think there's anything mystical about it. It's <laughs> yeah, just a faith thing. It's just the way it is. Uh, so right. I think you're trying to do the apples and oranges thing. Sure. Or the Dewey Decimal System system thing where, you know, religion comes under mythology. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which it does, really. Uh, I, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> there's that. I worked in a library for a hot <laughs> minute, so I know these things. I know these things. Can I tell you my Christmas miracle story? Yes, please. Two weeks ago. I did a lot of holiday shopping in town. It was a you know small business event, the the, the pajama rama thing. Oh yeah. There was a craft market that I'm a big fan of that I went to. Got a lot of shopping done. On my way home, I stopped at the farmers market to visit our friends at the Tenth Ward Distillery at their mm. table. I had a couple things to buy there. Got home, great. Carried on with my life. Put all my holiday shopping just left it in the bags, stuck it in a corner to deal with later because it's not the holidays yet for me. Mm-hmm. Just the other day, I said, okay, I should start sorting these things out. And I realized I'm missing one entire bag of things that I purchased at the oh my. at the market, at the craft show. I'm guessing it, it There were presents contained. for six different people. Oof. And it was not cheap. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. It's nowhere else Scary. in the house. I put everything together. What could I have done? I thought the only thing I can think of is when I stopped at 10th Ward and I made a purchase, maybe I'd put down that shopping bag, mm. and then I picked up my shopping bag of things I purchased there, and like in my, my muscle memory was like, well, you had a bag here and a bag here, and you're done. And like, there's no way. There is no possible way, but you're going to the market anyway, stop by and say, hey. And I stopped by, and it was I remember it was the same person as last time, said, I know this is a weird question, but when you guys were here two weeks ago, did you find a, and she looked at me and said, candles? Wow. And I said, yes. And she said, I didn't wow. bring them today, but I have them in my house. I've been saving them, trying to figure out how to find you. That's it. That's amazing. To get these back to you. So for two weeks, she has hung on to this thing, which she could have Lovely. easily kept or gifted to her friends Ooh. or said, nope, I don't know. You know, I never saw anything. And she said, nope, I still have them. And so we're making plans to hand them off. And I said, well, actually, my son and I are planning on coming up there on the 23rd for your Festivus um, oh, are you? event. So, and she's like, great, we'll figure out a handoff there. And it's done. It's a Christmas miracle. Presents for six people were gone. Wow. And found and saved because this is a very good human who, who was thoughtful and said, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, if you had eight, it would be a Hanukkah miracle. But six, it's going to be Christmas. But there's where the threes come in, right? Three and three, at least two of them. Well, there six candles. Six Six candles. So there you go. All right. Um, And actually, if you're going up there, I just realized this might be a double Christmas miracle or Christmas and Hanukkah miracle. Yeah, we forgot to pick up our four pack of the month. Now that we're club members, we were supposed to pick one up for December, and we're not going to be here because we're going away. Wow. So I'm I'm sure we can like. You know. All right, but you realize there's two of us, so, so you'll only get two out of the four. Right. <laughs> That's you Depending up. on the flavor. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, so the other thing that happened at the market was I stopped by. There's a, a meadery called Clear Skies. Hello, guy from Clear Skies. If you're listening, so we did talk about baseball because you saw me in my Lars Newtbar t-shirt. And he said, <laughs> hey, are you a Cardinals fan? I was like, well, not particularly, but I like baseball in general. And we have this podcast, and we talked about it. And, and this he week said, I am. <laughs> you know, 
I said, I said that. I said that. I said, you got any pics? And he said that actually he's got family in Kansas City and a relative. I'm thinking it was his grandfather. I'm sorry, sir. I don't remember what you said. Play for the Kansas City Monarchs. How oh, wow. freaking cool is that? So, that is really so cool. hi, new friend at Clear Skies Meteor, and I can't, I can't, uh, Meadery, and I can't wait to drink my vanilla oak mead that I brought. Man, home. that sounds awesome. There. Where are they? Are they uh, Rockville? How, oh, all right. Well, maybe we need to do a field see? trip. See, see, look yeah, at that. We could do that. So I've been thinking forward thinking toward baseball, toward opening day tickets. Yay. Everybody out there, I'm sure your team's opening day tickets have gone on sale. Not and the O's yet. They're still only oh, selling really? spring training. Shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe your team's tickets have been on sale, but um, definitely keep your antenna up because they're going to be soon and some of your teams might sell out faster than others. You know, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with the O's this year. Me too. We were, I was just talking to my cousin about, you know, one of the wonderful things about them is how they make such a point to be affordable, at least at certain times and in certain places. I mean, they they are the only team that, you know, I have had close contact with that is has really decent pricing and specials and stuff like that. And I hope, despite their success, that they that they stay that way. But as of right now, um, your hosts, uh, plus Mr. Potty Mouth, have tickets to opening day at the Nationals. Yay. And we will be there rooting on with a lot of other people because it seems like they are, like there were definitely slim pickings by the time we went on. Um, but the Nats are also doing this like 12 Days of Christmas thing. Have you seen this? Oh. Where theoretically, if you buy tickets now, you're entered in this raffle for prizes that they've been theoretically giving out any day. Oh, yeah, they've but done But I, before. I haven't gotten, gotten my prize yet. Oh, I'm no, feeling and you're disappointed. one of only, you know, like 40,000 people that bought tickets. How can that be? Yeah, so. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I'm watching. So the, the Nats home opener is a, several days after official opening day. The O's are yeah. home opener is on opening day, and the potty mouths are threatening not to be around. So, hey, anybody, oh, are you picking up your finger like it's, it might be around? We, we, we're I in discussions. Otherwise. We're in discussions. I mean, you know, y'all out there, you're uh, free to join us for sure. Like, definitely let us know if you're going to O's opening day. Actually, our friend Ever might be there. So let I us know. know, and we can finally connect out there. Um, but we might be home the day before. It's all very wishy-washy. Mr. Pottymouth wants to work more. Can you imagine? Well, good. He'll, he'll come back in time to work more and then take the day off to go to Ozo. Right. Day, which I think that's or perfect. I could, you know, I can go. If he comes back Yay. to work, I can go to, I can play Yay. baseball. You know, speaking of the O's, did you see the, the, um, all team MLB stuff today? Yes, that, like, Adley. Red... Adley is the catcher for the first team. Yeah. Did you see him with who he was with? No. So he was looking very dapper. There was a lot of comment about his suit and he was saying they that. They had this he... thing in Vegas. They used to just announce this, but this year they had an event in <laughs> yeah. Vegas to announce it. They had a show. They had a thing. They had what? Oh, yeah. Know. And then, then they dressed up sort of like, you know, if it was, I think, beyond All-Star. It was very flashy. And he was sort of demure and saying, oh, no, Ronald is dressed better than I am. Like, good, my buddy Ronald. Um, but on his arm was a Canadian heptathlete. And I didn't get her name. I should have written that down along with Canadian heptathlete. But first of all, I don't know what the hep is. Like, I don't know. How many is hep? It's not. It's, I, I think it is like six. Like hexagon, heptap. Yeah, it should be six then, right? Sept would be. Yeah, it should be. That's a lot of sports. Like, what is she doing? Anyway, she's very fit and beautiful. And I'm wondering about the accompaniment and what was. I didn't see anything else besides them looking just gorgeous together. All right. And, uh, you know, go Adley. 
All right. The other exciting thing that happened at that event was that Ronald Acuna Jr. and Bartolo Colon finally met. They've had like a little online. They've been exchanging messages via Instagram apparently for years, <laughs> and they finally met face to face. And wouldn't you love to be a bug on that wall? Oh my God! So many folks there. Yep. Yeah. So uh, my excuse for fe- feeling under the weather today is I injured. So I am so fucking old that I injured myself sneezing. I swear to God, I snoze, sneezed. Yeah, and I, I I was turning a little snoozed bit to the side. While sleeping. Yeah, and I snozed, sneezed, and um and I just I heard like a, and I seriously pulled like a shoulder chest muscle by sneezing, and it hasn't gone away. So it's just kind of the beer helps. Like I found that you know a little bit of muscle relaxant the thing at the end of the day is the, helpful. The thing that I I feel weird about is that this is not the first sneezing um, injury. <laughs> In my my world, I mean, my, my late husband once broke a rib sneezing. So really? your little pulled muscle oh, is sad, but get up your Pasha. game. Pasha. Up your game. All right. Pasha. Oh, my Lord. On today's show, the hot stove is breaking out the Otani deal, you know, and some other stuff. We've got boyfriends from the Chicago White Sox and the St. Louis Cardinals. Our police blotter features the L.A. District Attorney's Office and the St. Petersburg City Council. Winterball featuring baseball on the road and a home run derby and a congressional award for Larry Doby. Cheers. Cheers. There's fun stuff going on today. Uh, and uh, I should I should have a clue what we're talking about it, but it always sounds surprising to me when I hear you do the rundown. You know, <laughs> like, short really we're talking about right? that short term memory stuff and everything. See, really, what happens is I just sort of make up that list, and then we have to like fill that in. It's like, oh, right. oops, okay, she said we're talking about this, so quick, figure something yeah, out. We're quick on our feet, folks. Really, um, so in there, no way whatsoever. <laughs> All right, but we're dancing around the hot stove. That's what we're doing. We're trying to keep an eye on what's been going on. And I just have a couple of super quick things. Um, Aforementioned sneezing injury definitely kept my preparation focused on this week's boyfriends. However, a previous boyfriend that I had, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, who I picked him when he was on Toronto last year, he went over in a fantastic trade for the D-backs with him and Gabriel Moreno going for Dalton Varsho and a couple of other guys back to, to Toronto. So he did well in Arizona. The D-backs did well this year, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. And his hair was like a spectacular addition to the to the QHAR quality hair above replacement overall sum, I would say, for, for the D-backs. So they're keeping him. He would, they let him go to free agency, but then they got him right back in. He just signed for three years, $42 million with a one-year club option at the end of that, and he's adorable. So when when we talk about hot stove, usually you expect a move from mm-hmm. one place to another. So when your story, which is in fact a hot stove story because yeah. he was in fact a free agent and he was signed, but it's happening in the same club. It reminds me of when you've got ways on and it says, in five miles, keep doing what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, yeah, that for he's sure. Still doing he seems he's like he's doing. in a good spot right yeah, now. Yeah, all those youngins. He's like the older baby there. Um, last week, I mentioned that. Uh, uh, Fetty, Eric Fetty. Eric Fetty, yeah. Okay, shoot. I should really take better notes. Eric Fetty had gotten the MVP for 2023 when he was playing in Korea with that KBO, 
and that he got signed with the White Sox, probably because of that fantastic showing that he did there. And this week, just a couple of days ago, the MVP from 2022 in the KBO got a honking deal with the Giants. That would be Jung-Hoo Lee, who's center fielder, going to the Giants for six years and $113 million. Uh, a little bit of credit, I think, also goes to playing in the World Baseball Classic because that gets you that exposure. Yeah, I mean, does. I know this, the scouts are over there, but still, I think the WBC sort of amped it up a little bit. And the most adorable thing about this guy, I mean, I'm happy for Giants, happy for Giants fans. It sounds like he's just an amazing player. And uh, his father, Jung Byom Lee, was also an MVP of the KBO in 1994, and he was known for his speed. So he's, he had a nickname, Son of the Wind. So when Jung Hu introduced himself to the, to the press, he called himself Grandson of the Wind. However, he did say that he doesn't think that he would beat his own father in a race at the same age, at the same stage in the career. And of course, there's no time machine to prove that or disprove that, but it's, it's kind of adorable. I'm going to drink. Oh, yeah. Adorable. <laughs> Cheers. Whoops. Cheers. Yay. All right. So this is going down okay. Yeah. Actually, I'm just talking a lot. That's why. But now it's your turn. All right. And I'm going to have, I have an empty glass here, so I'm going to let you refill me while All right. I, I started much later than Potty Mouth today for various reasons, so I'm trying to keep <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to sip on this. Do what you got to do. And then when you're nearing the end of that, right. I will open and make right. sure your glass okay, is full. Okay. I like you have, you have strategy <laughs> planning for ahead. that second beer. <laughs> yeah. Last week, we talked about the Otani deal, that it was $700 million over 10 years with a lot of it deferred, but we had no details at that time. Yeah. We have details now, and it's kind of fascinating. So I'm mm -hmm. going to break it down a little bit. It's a tiny bit mathy, but I think it's kind of, it's important to understand so you can compare it to other deals that are right. happening. So most of the money. $680 million of the $700 million is deferred. Which is crazy. Which only leaves $10 million for the 10 years of the contract, mm -hmm. which means Shohei freaking Otani is only being paid by MLB $2 million a year for 10 years. Here's how the $700 million isn't quite that much money to the Dodgers. Right. When, you, when the team defers money... They have to put aside money every year at present value, which means whatever money you put aside now for, say, Shohei Otani's mm -hmm. deferred income would be at today's interest rates. So you figure out how much that is now plus the interest rate to get to $700 million mm -hmm. by the time the rest of that money is due. So it's not $700 million in today's dollars. It's $700 million 10 years down the road. Right? So you have money to play with right now. So the $20 million in actual salary, the $2 million yeah. per year for 10 years, plus this present day value, makes it for the Dodgers, a, I want to say only, but only if it just hurts, $460 million right. instead of $700 it is million. A when you I break that down into average annual value, including the whole thing, that's $46 million a year, which is still freaking monopoly money for the most of the world. But right. it's way closer to, say, Verlander or Scherzer money, which is like $43 million. Yeah. It's not crazy out of reach when you do that sort of present day versus, okay. versus like future stuff. So when, after the 10 years of the contract, that's when the deferred payment comes in. That's when he'll start getting $68 million a year for each of the next 10 years, right? All the deferred money is divided equally over those 10 years. Right. 
that that value doesn't that the number doesn't change based on interest rates or anything at that time. It's going to be flat out sixty eight million dollars a year for ten years. Wow. The, one of the reasons he took that deal was that he makes the guess is about fifty million dollars a year in endorsements. Yeah. Right now he doesn't need. Absolutely. I mean, no one needs that much money, but he doesn't quote need that money because he's making that difference. Yeah. In endorsements and by by putting this off. By deferring this income, he frees up money for the Dodgers to spend money right now on other people, Mookie, Freddie, and new guys. See Tyler Glasnow below. We'll talk right. about him in just a second. And also, the big money kicks in for Otani when those sponsorships are going to dry up. Right. Right? So, you know, he's not going to be getting the new balance and the whatever sponsorships later on, but he'll have that, that deferred salary happening then. Other players probably aren't going to take that deal because they're not getting $50 million right, right now. But because Otani is like, I want to be on a winning team. And the Dodgers are going to be a winning team because they're going to be able to afford the players to make a winning team if I defer the salary. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking strategically as well as financially soundly yeah. for him by stretching out this like this guaranteed income over a long, long time. For instance, the Disney Prince... Tyler Glass now just signed with the Dodgers to a five-year deal for $136.5 million with no deferments. Dodgers could afford that because Otani's deferred payments. Right. The um, So Tyler Glass now was actually traded to... Um, to the Dodgers, but the trade was contingent on him signing a contract extension. So the trade wasn't a done deal until he signed this five-year extension for $136.5 million. So that timing really helped. The other timing that was useful uh, for the Dodgers was the day after the details of this deal were finalized Mm -hmm. was when um, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto came to visit the Dodgers. So who's on staff Yikes. at that time? Right. Perfect, right? So Otani is there as an official L.A. Dodger, and he and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and a couple other guys are there to welcome Yamamoto when he comes to have his face-to-face with Damn. the Dodgers. Good work, strategic and smart, and there you go, the timing, 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 right? What they really should do is uh, Dodgers should incorporate Ashley Kelly, wife of Joe <laughs> Kelly, in, in attracting Yamamoto because she, I believe, personally was critical in get, getting Otani to sign the $700 million notwithstanding. So if you pay any attention whatsoever, you know that, that Otani's been wearing number 17, right, for a long, long time. And when Joe Kelly previously pitched for the Dodgers, he was number 17. And Joe Kelly is coming back to the Dodgers for the coming season. His wife, Ashley, is hilarious. Lovely. And a little bit of a potty mouth. And she's great. So she went on Instagram and she laid out all her Dodgers number 17 gear. Jerseys, purses, sparkly hats, like baby-sized things, all kinds of things with number 17 on them. And she started a campaign. So it was called like, Otani Take 17, mm-hmm. offering this number. It's like, you can have number 17. And look, not only can you have number 17, because Joe will give it to you, but you can have all of our gear. <laughs> look, this one says mama on the back. You can give it to your mom. It's already ready. They have their, their, their son's name is Kai. So she joked about renaming him Shokai. That's adorable. Right? So she kind of went through all of this stuff to do the sales pitch. And when he did sign, she had a follow-up video of going out to the front yard and flinging all the number 17 Dodger <laughs> things to to the to the wind. And then Joe coming out in a plain white t-shirt. And she wrote on his back, Kelly, 
99, which is his, his new number. So I think she's an excellent uh, social media addition to yeah. the Dodgers as part of the recruitment situation. Well, she also goes perfectly with Joe Kelly. I mean, it's, it, oh you my can God. totally yes. see how they would be together. Su- super uh, same sort of personality and yes. potty mouth and attitude. And so power to them. There's a couple interesting things about the deferment that I thought um, that I saw online that I think should be considered. And one is that it's a wonder that the Players Association isn't getting involved in this. And maybe that they will in the future to sort of set up guidelines, because what this is doing is enabling the Dodgers to get a lot of high priced players for putting out little money now. And, yeah, they have it all planned out for the future, but for them to get Otani and Tyler Glass now and Yamamoto on top of what they already have is really like tipping the scales a lot. It's actually in the in the CBA that there are no restrictions on deferments. The, right. They, but, they've actually negotiated that and said, go for it because their players get more money. Yeah. I'm and that's, that, that's like, on the side of the, of the workers yeah. is don't put limits on what the players can get. And the players are the ones who, are ne- who can negotiate this deferment. They don't have to take the deferment. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good for Otani, clearly. And plus, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to pay California taxes is the other thing if he sure. takes the money after he's sure. gone from it's, the Dodgers. Yeah. So that's understandable, but it clearly gives the Dodgers like a big leg up sure. in, the, in the season. So I don't know if See, that's good for everybody. I don't, I don't think that's CBA. I think that's, you know, the that's the whole um, – disparity in ownership and how owners mm-hmm. behave and yeah. owners not being willing to spend and other owners who are paying so much less right. who could be ponying up. Yeah. So that could be more equitable on the owner side. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I'm just, the other thing that I, I was noticing though is Disney Prince gets to keep his Disney because he's going to California as sure. opposed to Florida. So That's you know, right. Disney World in, to Disneyland. Yeah. I mean, you could, could have been on the Angels. It would have been a little closer, but you know, I don't know. Good enough. Good enough for me. The Angels may just be in the market for a starting pitcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think? Actually, I, I'm I'm afraid that Yamamoto is going to say something tomorrow between our recording yeah, and us dropping, and everybody's going to talk about that. But who knows? He's definitely had a lot of meetings. There's yeah, this Sunday night. You'll hear it on Tuesday. On. We're recording Sunday night. Holy cow. But meanwhile, we're going to be talking about a couple of the lower-level teams because we're working our way up from the bottom of the bunch from last season to talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we pick because there's a little something special about them and we pick one guy per team one al one nl each week and we are up to the white Sox for the american league and i was trying to think of my theme my last two weeks i had such good themes i was i had my my diaz's and then i had my garcia's and i was really hoping for some other pair of names to jump up and it just didn't happen so the the theme that i have is to not judge a book by its MLB 23 stats. And even though <laughs> at first blush, both of my guys had shit poor stats for their time in MLB last year, I'm going to explain that away. And I'm going to have faith that these guys are going to have that year. So you're going to have faith year. in that numerology? Yes. <laughs> right. I'm ignoring that. So my first guy <laughs> is an interesting dude, Oscar Colas Leon, right fielder. Maybe he could do first base. He's done it in past, and maybe he could pitch. He has done that in the past as well. 25 years old from Cuba. And you've heard us talk about the White Sox-Cuban connection before if you've been with us for a while because it goes back. And we've had a lot of White Sox-Cuban uh, baseball boyfriends, including Luis Robert, who I picked, uh, shit, I didn't write down the, the year, a couple years ago. And Juan Mancada as well, and Jose Abreu, who's now with Houston, but he was there. 
Um, and so we, we know about the White Sox-Cuban connection. And the, the big why about it is, is still pretty unclear. It goes back to Mini Minoso spent a lot of his years on the White Sox, 12 of his 17 spectacular years. He was just recently um, elected to the Hall of Fame and was it, the Golden Era yeah, guys yeah, yeah. In, in 2022. Su- super way overdue, but remarkable player. Um, so sort of like to honor that legacy, there's this Cuban connection. What I didn't realize, actually, is Pedro Grifol, who replaced uh, Tony La Russa, uh, last November 22, is Cuban heritage. He's Miami-born to Cuban parents. So now not only is there this player thread of Cubans through the White Sox, but also management. And not only Pedro, but last year... I missed it. Uh, the the White Sox made history with four Cuban Americans on the coaching staff, which is, I guess, the most Cuban Americans on a wow. coaching staff in MLB. So go figure. Um, Oscar started playing professionally at age 17 in the Cuban National Series in 2016 with a 305 average. And at that point, so I saw some a lot of videos of him talking about how MLB was always his dream growing up. But, you know, in Cuba, that's not a really easy possibility. But there there is more um, instance of the Cuban government allowing players to go play in Japan. So he was actually sent to Japan for developmental um, for, for development, for player development, working in the it's the Japanese Western League, which is kind of like their minors. And it's the flip season. So he could continue playing in the Cuban National Series at the same time. Uh, he played almost three seasons in the Japan Western League with a 302 average. So he's still over 300 in both of these. He was back to the Cuban National Series with the Sabuesos de Olguin in uh, 2018. And then he actually signed with the Fukuoka. And, you know, I should have really looked at how to pronounce that better because I'm sure I butchered it. The SoftBank Hawks, which is how upset it outlined in the past. I should, probably should have continued that tr- tradition. <laughs> um, he debuted in August of, of that season with a home run in his first at-bat. After that, though, he only played seven games. He um, had been referred to at that point as the Cuban Otani because not only was he playing and batting, and he has a, he's known for being a power hitter, a really strong arm, but he also has a 95-per-hour per fastball. <clears throat> hmm. Although he only pitched three innings in Japan uh, in the professional level. So soon after that, he defected January 2020, which is a dicey time to be doing anything in in the look to the future machine because he wanted to play in MLB. So I think there was a little bit of a back and forth at that point. I couldn't get too many details, but he was still on contract by NPB. He wasn't released by Japan until December of that year. And a lot happened between January 2020 and December 2020. I mean, you know, namely the world kind of falling apart because of the pandemic. So I'm sure that affected some of that, but it's unclear to me at least how. And then it wasn't for a full another year and a bit until January of 22 when he was finally signed by the White Sox. And so there's this big, how did it take so long between the the December 20 release until the 22 signing? And it has to do a little bit with how international signings were fucked up because of the pandemic, because it's usually in July and 2020, it didn't happen. So those got deferred till the next year. So basically by the time he was eligible to be acquired, 
um, the money was all tied up and he wouldn't have been able to get paid as high of a price as he felt like he deserved with the kind of background that he had. As the Cuban Otani, exactly. for instance. Exactly. So he didn't get signed until January 22. So the 22 season, he played in all level, well, almost all level, levels of the minors. He started high A because, you know, he's coming from Japanese professional ball, albeit seven games, but still. Um, and then double A and then triple A. Over his whole time in the 2022 season, he was batting 314. Slash line 314, 371, 524 with 23 home runs and 79 RBI and participated in the Futures game. So his arm was doing really well. That Well, the, the batting and, and the throwing, all both, both of those things. But it was he was doing just um, fielding and batting. In spring training with the White Sox, I saw an interview with one of the coaches that said that, I guess, during during spring training, there are various fields and some are closer to the roads than others. And he was on a game that was in one of the backfields, which was near the road. And they had to actually move him to a different field because the balls that he kept putting into the streets were creating havoc for the drivers. The, the, the <laughs> coach said, putting the drivers at risk. What I like about him, which makes him a potty mouth pick, besides my, you know, international relations interest and always being fascinated by Cuban players and what they have to get go through to get here, is that he is a little bit of the life of the, the dugout. He has a fun and humorous attitude within the team. And the life and energy in the dugout were two quotes that I saw to describe him. So I really like guys with energy and life and humor. So he made opening day roster of 2023 with a pinch hitting and ended up being one of five Cubans in history to get a hit on their debut on opening day, including the aforementioned Luis Robert and Jose Abreu. So three White Sox guys out of those five. He um, had a, a memorable walk-off hit in the 10th inning against the O's in April. And I'm wondering if that was – that sounds so familiar. It really like, does. I'm wondering if you were there. Mm. Um, but then he struggled mightily. His numbers tanked. So he got sent back down um, for both May and June, went up for July, and then back down in August, and finished up the year with just a 216 average for the major league level, 19 RBI five home runs. So I'm thinking, looking at this in the optimistic potty mouth lens, that he has shown that he has something special and there was a lot of attention to him. And I think he just needs some time. I think that's a lot of change to go through. I mean, thinking about going from Cuba to Japan to the minor leagues and then up to the majors, I think that he just needs a little bit more time. And I'm just counting on this being a breakout year and not being a poor choice of mine, see Victor Mesa in the, in the past. Um, his family is still in Cuba, and he does talk about how that is difficult, you know, that he can't see them. He doesn't have them with him. But he, he says that it encourages him to focus more on the baseball and to be representing his family, you know, by through through his baseball. He's married. I'm not clear um, if they came over together. His wife's name is Viviana Aroche Garcia. And Oscar Jr. was just born in September, and he introduced him on his Instagram account in November. And another really um, sweet thing, he said, there's there's not any heart in this world that I could love more than my own child. I love you, son, and thank God for giving me something for why I can go out every day in the world and give the best of me. So, yay. That's just Good daddy. lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. 
I have another good dad story mm. for you. I'm going to talk about Yay. Max Stassi, with, who's been with the White Sox for a week. I've been wondering about him. Okay. Yeah, so he's been there for a week. This is another case of Atlanta picking somebody up and and turning them around the next day. Wow. Like bargaining chip. We'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, so um, Max Stassi is a catcher. He's 32, right? So he's my backup catcher, and I think he's going to be the White Sox sort of, you know, backup guy, the the bench guy, the support, okay. the um, the veteran, right? He's from Woodland, California, and his baseball cred runs deep. His dad, Jim, played in the Giants organization for a couple years in the 80s. His brother, Brock Stasi, was drafted in 2011 by the Phillies and was in the Phillies organization for like 10 years. His He's the great nephew of Merrill Hogue, who played 13 seasons in the majors. His grandfather played for the Hollywood Stars in the 40s. Wow. His great-grandfather, Sam, played for the San Francisco Seals. So generations of baseball cred in this family. So Max, you know, old guy. So I'm not going to go over a lot of stats. I'm going to pick out a couple of little highlight things and then talk about character things, because this is important to me. He played with Team USA in 2006. He went to Yuba City High School, committed to UCLA, but was drafted in 2009 by, in the fourth round by the A's. Right? So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a grown-up. Solid. He is a grown-up. He was traded by the A's to Houston in 2013. He started there in double A, where he homeward in five consecutive games. Wow. So, hello, bank. He debuted just later that summer, right? So this is double A, where he homeward in five consecutive games. Then by August... He made his his major league debut with Houston. Um, He had two hits in his first game, right, on on August 20th in 2013. His second game, he went to bat with the bases loaded, got hit in the face. Oh, my God. In the face with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, so immediately on the I.L., but that was his first RBI because the bases were loaded. That's awful. (laughs) It is awful, right? So... A catcher for Houston for a long time, traded to the Angels at the deadline in 2019. At the time, he was ranked second, the second best catcher in the league by baseball prospectus, especially in pitch framing, right? So <laughs> think about those dates, right? Uh, 2019 with, with, uh, with Houston, mm-hmm. right? So he'd been there for a little bit. In February 2020, lots of talk about the... You know, the sort of the after effects of the Houston cheating scandal. Oh. Max Stasi became the second ex-Astros position player after Marwin Gonzalez to actually address it, to speak out publicly about the cheating scandal. Hmm. In 2017, he only played a handful of 14 games that season, like 34 at-bats. But he was still there. And he said he made, I think, an apology that kind of fits our are very high standards, which makes me very happy. He said, I apologize to all those around the game, the people who were affected by it, the fans, coaches, especially the kids who look up to us. We're supposed to set an example and do the right thing. We didn't do that. He said, I didn't do anything to stop it. It was wrong, and I feel terrible. Wow. There were no, if I harmed you, I feel bad. No ifs, no whatever. It's like, yep. Bad things happened. I was a part of them. I could have taken action, and I didn't. Wow. And I regret it. Put that all out there. So I feel really good about that. Yeah. He he comes from, a, like I said, this, this whole baseball family thing, I think, also instilled the philanthropy, the doing good for others, and being responsible to your community. So I think part of that maybe came from that. Like his, He and his brother, Brock, for years did fundraisers 
early on, like in the 2013 and around there, they had at least six charity events called Homers for the Hungry that raised $100,000, more than that, for local food banks. He, um, where he grew up in, in, um, in Woodland and, and, and Yuba City, that's near where all the wildfires were a couple of oh, years ago. Right. He did fundraising for that. He, was, he oh. had a relationship with the foundation, and he did a lot of work to try to raise funds to help the people that were hurt by the fires. In 2020, during the pandemic, he did the children's hospital visits by Zoom. So those could still continue. Oh. You can still talk to the patients, the people, the, the kids who are in the hospital, did it by Zoom, didn't stop doing it mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. So I, I give him a lot of cred for that. The thing that really means the most to me, he didn't play at all this last season. And here's why. His son, Jackson, was born three months premature. Oof. He was born this past April. That's a lot. A pound and a half. That oh child weighed a pound and a half. And he took the entire season off. Oh. His son was in the NICU till like October, from April to October. So you've got two moms here talking, thinking about this yeah. right now, which is just, oh it's hard. So he and his wife made a public statement in Instagram about the time when they were finally wow. ready to be able to take their son Jackson home. Uh, and they said, we have faith that our guy, who has more resilience in one of his tiny crooked pinkies mm. than Max and I have in our whole bodies will do anything he sets his mind to. He has, in the past six, seven months, in this time, had pneumonias, blood infections, oh. a brain bleed, collapsing lungs, cracked ribs, bone disease, and airway scarring. Oh, my God. And he had gotten through that enough to be stable enough to come home. In, he left, so he left the team during spring training, right, when all this was, was starting to happen, right, because the, the, the child was born in April, and clearly they knew this was happening, this, this premature birth was happening. Mm-hmm. He stayed out all season, and then finally in September, he's like, I, I can't, they kept thinking maybe he'd be able to come back. He's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. So he was put on the restricted list for the team, which meant that he wasn't going to get paid for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So he made that choice. He's like, you know, I have the rest of my $7 million salary coming, but not worth it. Yeah. This, this baby Priorities. needs me, right? Yeah. His son is in better shape now. It's going to, you know, it's, it's never going to be a done nope. deal. That child is going to be struggling for a long time. And, and clearly he's going to be there for him. But they're in a place now where he thinks he can go back to baseball. So he is expected to play next season. Last week, Friday, he was traded from the Angels to Atlanta, spun on a dime, and the next day was sent off to the White Sox. All right. So I'm all in. Wow. I want to see good things happen for yeah. Max and his family because what a character. I mean, like like the good, the, the, not like, ooh, crazy character, but yeah. the character, the deep, bone deep, good person who wants to take care of his family and his community and, and all of that. And I'm all in for that. Wow. And, and what a story. My cousin went through that. And as a result, my aunt, my cousin's mom, wrote a children's book that actually just came out. She really? got it. She did a GoFundMe. She got it published. I think it's called Baby and My Baby. If there's anybody out there who's interested, just just send us a line or, you know, whatever. Contact us on the information we give later because it's going to be out soon. And it's, it's, you know, designed for either kids who are growing up from having had that experience as a kid or families or whatever. Yeah. But it's a children's book. And it's it's lovely. So... You know, it's something that a lot of people deal with, and it's not easy. So I so respect him for taking that time off. That's amazing. And it feels hopeful. It doesn't feel like, oh, everything's going to be just fine, but it feels hopeful. Yeah. And I like that. All right. 
All right, we're going to go with the Cardinals now, National League, and I chose Mason Blaze Win, a 21-year-old shortstop. Yes, 21 years old, born March 21st, 2002, which means he is well younger than both I know. So, you know, the name Baseball Boyfriend is it's just it's an affectionate thing. These guys could easily easily be our children and we're just looking at them as buddies that we i that we can finally have say we can have a beer with him he's 21 so that's okay that's somebody <laughs> would like to hang out with we're getting more character. defensive all the time the, I know. we're really just keeping baseball boyfriend for the alliteration it's at this point <laughs> it's absolutely alliteration and if anybody out there can think of anything better let us know because we do adore these guys but who baby yeah little guy so he was picked second round in 2020 again that year that just keeps coming back at us because you know in 2020 there were only five rounds so it's a good thing that this guy was a standout and he was and and this is i when i saw his name you know there's always like why do you pick these guys so i was first intrigued by the interesting name but it also rang a bell because i know that he'd been talked about a lot as a hot prospect in the card system he um in 21 was in both low and high a and 22 is in double a and made it to the futures game where he got to i mean the purpose of the futures game right is for these guys who are in the minors to show their stuff they have got an audience and they don't have that much time on the field it's an all-star game right so they're not in there for the whole game so while you're out there you have to strut your stuff so this is past week I was talking to Mr. Pottymouth about how sad I was about the probability that the Red Sox are going to be losing Justin Turner. He's mm-hmm. been talking to the Mets. I had become very endeared of him. He's done a lot of good work in Boston. He's a good guy overall. But now he's done something to piss me off enough <laughs> to feel like, all right, we can get rid of Justin Turner. Because in the Futures game, when Mason Blaze win through 100 0.5 mile per hour rocket to first base on a routine grounder. I mean, it was a play. He's playing shortstop. He picks up the ball. He throws it hard to first base to get noticed because he can do it. But Justin Turner said, and I quote, and I appreciate the the language, but he said, who fucking cares? And so... <laughs> I, who cares what that he made the play or that he was like showing yeah, off? Yeah, that he was like, showing off. Like ba- basically, dude, why are you doing this? Like, yeah, you can throw that hard, but who fucking cares? You're playing a game. And what, what Turner's point, I guess, behind this was get your fundamentals down. You're young. Don't be doing something stupid where you could actually hurt yourself when it's not necessary. It was a play that was not necessary to make that on. However, it's the futures game. And to add to that, uh, teammate Jordan Walker, who actually um, uh, Mason came up, basically, they were very close throughout the minors and both made it to the cards together, right before the game challenged him and said, I bet you can't throw over 100 miles an hour in this game. And so, of course, he was like, all right, I'm going to do that. So he did. So afterwards, apparently, it became a thing on social media. I was oblivious. But Mason tweeted out... Um, a, a link to an article about him that the title was Shortstop Mason Wynn Checks In Again as the Best Defensive Shortstop and Best <laughs> Infield Arm 
on the high A best tools list. That's a lot of best for one sentence as voted on by the Midwest League managers. And he wrote, that can't be right. I throw too hard for my own well-being, right? And then the clown emoji, apparently referring to Justin Turner, who I don't think replied, but I find the whole interaction uh, sort of sweet. And definitely I lean toward the the Mason Wynn side of the, the equation here. So 2023, he makes it up to AAA, debuted in August for MLB level, August 18th, because your t-shirt's uh, uh, Lars Newtbar was injured. Didn't spend a lot of time up, and he had been really busting it out in the minors, but was only up for a short while and didn't do well. So 172 is the average that he's coming up with from his major league appearance last August that it seems like it's a little up and down. And there are questions about was it manipulation because he had 122 at bats and 130 is the, the limit for, you know, keeping that that year not counting um, and 37 games versus 45 service days. So. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm not sure. It could be he wasn't doing that great, but still, maybe if he had a little bit more time. He was the number two ranked prospect for the Cardinals at that time. And notably, and this is why I'm thinking maybe he's going to turn around next year, because he had a slow start in AAA as well. When he came up in AAA, he only had a, a 229 average in April. Whereas the last 78 games of the season, he was batting 310 with a 912 OPS. So maybe last August was his ape, I don't know, maybe it's going to happen again. But what I'm saying is that I think he's shown his ability to come out of being in the gutter a little bit like that. And he is known for his strong arm, clearly, and his fast feet. Baseball America calls him the best arm in the Cardinal system. And he has a career 92 steals in the minor league level only being caught 12 of those times. So I wanted to dig in a little bit to make sure he was a good guy and okay to be a baseball boyfriend. And I looked in the Wayback Machine, and at first I thought, shit, I got to let you know about you know about this guy because when he was a freshman in high school, his mom made him take a course called Money Matters so that he wouldn't one day become, quote, a bankrupt professional athlete. So mom was planning ahead for him, knowing that he's going to be an athlete, saying that you have to cover cover all the bases, right? Like yeah. also figure out See the financial part of this. And he showed that, you know, that, would, that was a real conclusion for her to be making or a realistic conclusion because the very next year when he was a sophomore, he was the MVP of the 15 and under Pan American Tournament in Columbia, the U.S. team. So... Um, the guidance counselor, I guess, took mom aside for a moment and said, you know, you don't really see, he doesn't seem to be preparing for college. I think we need to talk about his schedule. And mom said, you're correct. I'm getting him ready to be a professional athlete. And that's where I kind of thought, hmm, is that something that Patty would say? Maybe, depending on, I don't know, the 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 background of this guy. So he showed that he could do it his junior year. He went 13-0. and 0. He was also pitching. He had, or a two-way player. He had a 67 ERA and a 417 average with eight homers. So his next step was uh, USA Baseball, somewhere between junior and senior year. So here we have clearly going toward the professional athlete situation, putting all his eggs in that basket. Mom's 100% behind him being, and, and actually I didn't look 
I couldn't find in the time that I had details on this, but he's the youngest of five children, and I only saw information about his mom, and there was there were comments about her being a single mom, and I'm not quite sure why or when that happened, but she was definitely the, the force be, be behind him during high school. And then he had a 12-game suspension during his time with USA Baseball in the summer. And I thought, uh-oh, this could hurt my baseball boyfriend research. And if it's a suspension for being something really bad, then I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to have to undo this. And I couldn't find anything anywhere about what the suspension was for for the longest time. I did see um, his mom sort of coming up and saying, respecting him for coming forward and being honest about whatever the issue was that he was suspended for. And he even said, if I had lied, I wouldn't have been suspended. And his mom said, yeah, here's the quote. I have to say, I was very proud of the fact that he was honest from the beginning. The kids that he was with were not, and they didn't get quite as severe as punishment as he did. So his punishment was that he was suspended the first 12 games of his senior year in 2020. So he played one game and then the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that suspension ended up being a lot harsher than it seemed even in the beginning. Although, so to give Mason credit, he blames it on himself. He says mm. he blames it on his mistake. And he was a you know, two-way player at that time, but very, very strong at shortstop. Anyway, I looked into it, and I'm not quite sure if I should believe the Reddit guy. The only evidence I saw about what he did was a Reddit thread, and it the 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 ins, the innuation in, in hmm, what word begins with in implication. That's it. Is implication? It implication. 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 It's implication. Insinuation was the oh, one I was thinking of, but that's very close to implication, isn't it? It really is. It is. Yeah. All right. So either one of those, that thing is that he was uh, smoking pot with his buddies on the U.S. team and somebody got caught. And, I hear that's not allowed. And yeah, I hear that's not allowed. And it is, you know, it's generally found upon for a 17-year-old. Do I know 17-year-olds who may have done something like that? Not one. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> And it clearly, he understood it was not the right thing at the right time. And yes, it was wrong. However, it's not enough to get him off my baseball boyfriend list. And I definitely appreciate both him and his mom valuing the telling the truth part of it yeah. and sucking up and taking your punishment. Yep. Although, you know, despite the fact that it became a lot more harsh than, um, than he had anticipated. And actually, when I was taking notes, I didn't realize I have two two-way players here. You do. So go figure. Look at you with the themes. Right. You've got themes. So the mom intuition thing, too. And this is where I'm kind of like, you know, maybe Patty would have done this, you know, suggested that he focus on the athlete stuff. When he was um, one year old on his first uh, checkup, first year birthday checkup with his mom in the waiting room, they were tossing a little squishy ball back and forth. And the doctor came into the room and said, you know, that's actually pretty exceptional for this age, that kind of throwing. And the mom said, yeah, I know it's been going on for over two months. Huh. So from the get-go, I think mom had a little bit of a hunch of what was going on. And he has a really tight relationship with his mom. And he said, her opinion means more than anybody else. Also, Potty Mouth points, they are a very outgoing, friendly, talkative family. And the mom coaches the kids to walk into a room and find the person who's uncomfortable and talk to that person. So be nice. the person to reach out to the other 
to the other um, to the other kids. And she actually said to him, any new kid that joined any team my kids were on, it was their responsibility to bring them in and make them part of the game, which is actually another patty, patty point, I would say here, because you and your kid absolutely, absolutely embody this kind of thing. Um, and there was a, a game when he was, I don't know, playing football in, I don't think it was high school, but she basically said to him, tomorrow you're going to throw that football to that kid who's being left out all the time. Huh. And he did, and it makes such a big difference to that kid. And she said, you know, basically this isn't any skin off your back, but to that kid that you're reaching out to, it's going to make a world of difference. Um, his summer travel team coach said he was going to win everybody over either by working hard or by his character. So I'm thinking we'll see what happens, but this could be a rookie of the year pick. I don't know. Wow. That's all very exciting. I want to make two comments on um, the, would this be a Patty pick or something Patty would have done or not? One is, I don't think I've ever told my own child, you should take this class. Ah. I think my, I hope my parenting style has been, I want you to feel confident and think things through and make your own good decisions. I will say that we did set um, my son on the path to, to baseball because of accuracy with a snowball. So <laughs> that is a very clear parallel. All that right. was the bridge between individual sports yeah. and team sports was you hit that target with a snowball. You should think about this. Interesting. Yeah. So you're – All right. Yeah, I, I know it was this. in the ballpark. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah, we're we covering the bases. We're in the right. ballpark. It's sure. like you pay attention to baseball or something. Hey, who would have thought I would have picked two Nolans – as boyfriends, oh. and we're only four weeks in. Wow! All right, so you got a theme. I also saw How this. Many Nolans are there? I also saw this Nolan play when the Cardinals played the Orioles, oh. and at one point I said, "Look, we've got Nolans on the corners." <laughs> yes, I did say that. Nolan Gorman, twenty-three-year-old second baseman for the Cards, I grew up in Phoenix. He went to Sandra Day O'Connor High School, Lovely. which I feel good about. He won two national. High school home run derbies in 2017. Wow. He won the 2017 All-Star Game High School Home Run Derby in Miami. And then just a few weeks later at Wrigley Field, won the Under Armour High School All-America Game Home Run Derby. So bat. We're talking a lot about the bat here. He had committed to the University of Arizona, but he was selected in the first round by the Cardinals in the draft in 2018. And so he just went right to more baseball. He was drafted as a third baseman. But see, other Nolan above. Other Nolan. Nolan Arenado was traded to the Cards in 2018, and there was third base. Right. And one Nolan is not going to oust the other Nolan at third base. So he actually called the Cardinals and said, I see this, (laughs) and I want to stay in the infield. Let's talk about what other options are for me. What can I do to stay in the infield? So because of that initiative, they trained him to play second base, which is very different yeah. than third base. Super different. And after he started working on that, he said, the, it's the most fun I've had, turning double plays and making yeah. diving plays, right? You don't do that from a hot corner. The irony is that one of the people that most helped him at when he went to spring training camps while he was in the minors was Paul DeYoung. And then Paul DeYoung, not doing well, was responsible for oh. Nolan Gorman coming up. Wow. Right? So it's like a little bit of irony, the irony of Paul right there. His one of his best friends growing up is his current teammate, uh, Cardinals pitcher Matthew Libertore. They grew up in the same neighborhood. They played baseball together since they were five Aww. years old. Wow. Their 
dads were the coaches of their club team when they were like, you know, 10, 11, 12, those years. Both of them, they played in different high schools. So they had played against each other in high school and with each other on all of these, you know, neighborhood teams and travel teams growing up. They both had committed to the University of Arizona. They were both picked in the first round. Both Holy of them. Shit. Right. So so um so Matthew was picked 16th in the first round by the Rays and three picks later Nolan Gorman went to the Cardinals can Crazy. you imagine so these families are super uh. close can you just imagine these two families saying look can, can this is this is just stunning right this Party. these are our boys these are you know, they they hung out with each other that you know they they were inseparable for quite a long time they even got their call-ups together uh. all right so Again, so um, Libertari went to the Rays, but they got traded to St. Louis in 2020. So they were still all in minor league ball at the time. They got their call-ups together. Nolan started uh, on a Friday night at second base. And then, again, Libertari was a, is a pitcher. So his start was that Sunday, but the same weekend they came up after having. Aww. So uh, um, Libertari is a year older. So Nolan was actually four playing with the five-year-old. Oh so he was God. playing up. <laughs> so there, there's it. At the time of his call-up, while he was in AAA, uh, Nolan Gorman had hit 15 home runs in 34 games. Again, it's all about the bat. So again, playing second base, loves turning the double play. In his debut on May 20th, 2022, his, the very first ball that came to him was a ground ball in the first inning, turned a double play. Adam Wainwright uh. was pitching and said, yeah, the ball's going to find you. You know, I planned that. So the kid could get his feet wet. Because it's like, you know, if you get that play out right. of the way, you make it, then they kind of lose, you lose all, all the nerves. I'm sure. And then in his first at bat, he hit a single. Interviewed later, he said, that was fun. Sure. He said, it was awesome getting to first base and then getting the ball thrown in. I've seen a lot of those happen <laughs> over the years of playing pro ball and seeing lots of debuts. Seeing that happen for me was super cool. Sure it was. It's like, wow, yeah, you don't think about that. It's like, you, you're seeing that happen. Like, that ball is important to me and it's getting saved for me right now. Mom thing. You ready for another mom uh, thing? July 26, 2023, this past season, on his mom's birthday, oh. the cards are playing Arizona, which again is where Nolan Gorman grew up, where his family still lives. So he had a huh. they had a hundred people, friends and family, all there wow. rooting for him, even sure. though the opposing team is coming in to play against Arizona. His mom says, "All I want for my birthday is a home run." So Nolan hit two. Oh my god, two! Yeah, that's crazy. Goldschmidt hit one. Goldschmidt, remember, played for Arizona. Nolan Gorman was a kid then and looked up to Gold. Oh my god! <laughs> looked up to Goldie, and now they're teammates, and so both of them hit. Home runs on Nolan Gorman's mother's birthday. He is the second Cardinal after Pujols, aged 23 or under, to have a combination of 25 or more homers and 73 or more runs batted in in a season. Pujols did that in 2001, 2002, 2003. And now all that time has passed, 20 years passed in between. And then Gorman did that this past season. So I'm looking forward to watching another, yet another, Nolan play some really good baseball this year. Next week, we're talking about the Angels and the Mets. Oh, hey. I didn't even say hapless in that sentence. Could apply to either. <laughs> but yeah, so if you have some uh, Angels or Mets recommendations for us, please find us. Please send that our way. All right, we're going on a marathon episode here. I'm going to try to get through international stuff concisely, if possible. It's probably not possible. So just hang in there. Strap on. We're going we're gonna to keep going. Baseball for all, um, girls baseball 
is just expanding like crazy. And they have been on the road. They were in Costa Rica this past week. 12 and under team with coaches, uh, including Beth Greenwood from the women's national team and Justine Siegel, uh, you know, founder of Baseball for All. And they took the bronze medal in this tournament in Costa Rica, but all the other teams were boys teams from around Latin America. So right power on. to the Baseball for All 12 and under girls team who represented in Costa Rica. And uh, it seems like they get to go to some pretty nice places. So get your kid involved in Baseball for All. This upcoming February, the 10 and under, 12 and under, and 18 and under groups from Baseball for All will be chosen that you have to apply and be accepted to the baseball for all ambassadors program in hawaii playing games against hawaiian girls teams there and clinics involved so pay attention uh applications are already closed so you know no hope in in getting actually personally involved in that at this point but you know keep keep notes on what's happening this last weekend, the Leighton uh, Accardo Inter Invitational in Arizona with Peaches Baseball happened. And this is to honor a young girl who died of cancer who is with the Arizona Peaches. And her team does an amazing job honoring her every year with this tournament. This year, it got up to 250 players from Canada, the U.S., and Mexico gathering in Arizona to play ball. So if you want to support the Baseball for All folks, please check out our show notes because they are accepting holiday donations and there are volunteer opportunities available at baseballforall.com. So going up to grown-up international stuff going on, paid a little bit of attention to Venezuelan ball this past week because they had the Honron Derby on Monday night in Venezuela and there were 12 participants including Yasiel Puig, not Venezuelan, yet playing there this um, offseason, Rugnet Odor, Miguel Cabrera, Ronald Acuna, Glaber Torres, Eugenio Suarez, Anthony Santander, Orlando Arcia, and Eduardo Escobar. Damn. Holy shit. So this is like, you know, the elite of the Venezuelan players getting together for this home run derby all of them wearing number 24 for Miguel Cabrera. And the whole thing was really set up as him being the main event. And when they interview, uh, interviewed, introduced the players, he was the last one. And of course, there was this huge standing ovation for Miggy coming in. Ronald Acuna Jr. won the home run derby, despite the fact that Miguel Cabrera was participating for the second year in a row. Um, we will including the show notes, a link so that you can actually watch it. If you speak Spanish, please know that there's a nasty delay between the actual play and the announcers, and it drives you fucking crazy because the announcers are literally talking over what's happening on the field, and it's a little bit upsetting. So it might be better just without any volume at all. They also had um, big names, you know, come out from Venezuelan ball. Omar Vizquel was there, Dave Concepcion, Ozzy Guillen. Uh, I found out that there is only one Venezuelan in the Hall of Fame, and it's Luis Aparicio, shortstop, uh, which is why Omar Vizquel will never make it on an all-Venezuelan all-star team because they're one actual Hall of Fame star. Got that, got that spot sewed up. 
They started with a moment of silence for Victor Davalillo Romero, who died on December 6th, and he was the eighth Venezuelan player overall to play in Major League Baseball and a good guy to know for Immaculate Grid because he played with Cleveland, the Angels, the Pirates, the Cardinals, Pirates again, the A's, and the Dodgers. And I bet low percentage. Yeah, I know. So keep that name in your back pocket. Plus, in the Venezuelan League, he played, and he is the all-time leader in the LVBP in base hits and career average. He played 30-30 seasons in Venezuelan baseball. His last season, he was 50 years old. That is totally in our age range. range, But you're going to go with ballpark again. Yeah, right. (laughs) But the big news after this, and actually when when he was introduced, they were saying, Miguel Cabrera, are you going to come back and play here? Because he's not playing this season. He's He just did his big farewell tour and, and raked in all of his lovely gifts from all over Major League Baseball, right? This was the year of him going to the different ballparks and the big ceremonies. He is going to do it again next year in Venezuela. He has promised to play for the Tigres de Aragua, his original team, next season at age 42, which more with the cosmic numerology, this is very exciting, is, you know, the inverse of his number 24. So he's going to be 42. You're really trying to make I numerology totally, happen. It's happening. Look, it's all over the place. Ew. He's playing Ew. at age 42 with number 24, and he is taking all this time between now and next season to get in shape so he doesn't embarrass himself, basically. He really wants to play well in his very last season ever. He says, I want to prepare myself properly, plan my final season next year, and make it big like it was in the U.S., uh, i.e. get lots more gifts. Um, (laughs) The good news for him, for the old body, is that it is a 55-game season, And then five of the eight teams go to a 16-game round robin and then the best of seven finals. So it's not as uh, taxing, shall we say, as an MLB season. But, you know, with one Hall of Famer, it's clear that Miggy's going to be the next. I mean, he is definitely a shoe-in. And Omar's not going to – he's, you know, going down there on the ballot. So we'll see what happens. Hey, police blotter? Oh, boy. Yeah. We talked about uh, Julio Urias, uh, most recently of the Dodgers, now a free agent. How about that? How about that? Um, The law enforcement investigation that was brought on by his arrest on September 3rd on suspicion of felony domestic violence has been wrapped up. And the case has been handed over to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office, who will then decide if there's enough there to actually press criminal charges, Hmm. right? In the meantime, MLB is continuing their investigation under the league's domestic abuse policy. They probably won't, if if they find him in in violation of the policy, they would not probably institute a suspension until after the DA's office decides what they're going to do. They can't actually interview him right now until while he's under investigation with with, um, Los Angeles County. He's under administrative leave. Right now, so we can't play free agent. No one's biting because he's on under administrative leave. Mm. There have been no repeat offenders under the MLB domestic really? abuse policy. He would be the first one if they find him Oof. guilty because remember a couple of years ago he had a, a suspension yep. for a, a domestic abuse a viola- a violation of that policy. Yep. Also in the police blotter, talking about renaming the Tampa Bay team, I'm calling them the Tampa Bay Hostages. <laughs> St. Petersburg City Council, not the mayor, the city council sort of floated this idea of changing the name 
of the race from the Tampa Bay Rays to the St. Petersburg Rays because the stadium, St. Petersburg, not in Tampa, and because the city is putting $417.5 million in tax dollars into the deal. It says, our name should come first. Oh, God. Tampa Bay, when you put the word bay there, it yeah. actually means the whole area, not the city of Tampa. Although I was, I didn't know that. I, w- I assumed that it was named after the city of Tampa, not sure. the body of water, which is the Tampa Bay, right? Um, and the, 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 it gets w- weirder when the, well, the co-owner of the Tampa Bay Rays mm-hmm. said, well, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Buccaneers, they all say Tampa yeah. Bay. So they're also, their, their stadiums and arenas are in Tampa. So that's not really oh. a good argument if okay. they were based in St. Pete. And then that would be a very good argument. This is not a good argument. But he also said there will not be a new ballpark nor development project if there's a requirement to change our franchise's oh, name. really? Doesn't that seem like escalating like a great, like, is that a real threat? And also, that's they're not going to change the name. This is just like a city council idea to research it, maybe put it to a mm-hmm. vote or something. And they have no real, you know, they're, they're, they don't really have, they have money in the game, but they don't have that kind of power in the game. And But the this Rays co-owner has jumped to a nuclear option very quickly. So, yeah, Tampa Bay hostages, man. I, I, think, I think we should go with that. Yeah, I just kind of feel like Tampa, it's just more concise for the uniform. St. Petersburg is very lengthy. And it's... Yeah, so, so I'm thinking, like, the airport is Tampa St. Pete. Why not just Tampa St. Pete? Just make a compromise. I like how you want to make everybody <laughs> right. happy. Hey, I'm happy because Larry Doby was just awarded Aww. a Congressional Gold Medal this past Wednesday wow. on the day that would have been his 100th birthday. He passed away in uh, 2003, so the award was accepted by his son, Larry Doby. Jr., if you're not aware, look up Larry Doby. He was the yeah. second black player in the majors. He was brought into the majors two months after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. He played initially for Cleveland for several years, and then the White Sox he, in 1948. Special to me because Cleveland won a World Series in 1948. He was the first black player to homer in a World Series. And that was the one that, did I mention the Cleveland won World Series? Anyway, so yay for Larry Doby. Wow, we had a lot this week. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, hey, um, Christmas is coming. So that's kind of right. important to me because it also means my kid is coming home. That means a couple of days off. That means some travel to see some family. And it means we're probably going to record on Christmas Eve. <laughs> well, last year we recorded on Christmas Day. So, that's right. you know, it's okay. It's all a holiday to us. Yeah, this one's going to be a squadcast. So I'm going to just go right there and see if any of our Patreon friends are interested. Want to join us on Christmas join Eve via squadcast? Please let us know. So we we open our squadcast. This is when Patty and I aren't actually in the same room and we have to use this online thing for recording. And we can have people uh, backstage. So if you want to join us backstage, join our Patreon. You can bring your eggnog. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wear, wear your Santa hats if you're so inclined. Yeah, it will be absolutely finished before 9 o'clock p.m. because that's when we have to start watching Rent, which is our traditional Christmas Eve thing. Yeah, it's probably going to be. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We earlier, earlier is definitely better for me. We will talk. Hey, yeah. So this is like the, the last real week of, of work because nobody Woo-hoo. does any like super work during between super Christmas work. and New Year. So like, get all your stuff done this week. Think oh about uh, you know, who your picks might be for the Angels and for the Mets. And please share those with us. Anything else to think about this week? 
Uh, no, man, I got to pack. I have so much to do this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so fine. You'll be fine. Uh, it's all good. I decorated a tree. I got presents to wrap. I got cookies to bake. I love all that stuff. Power to you. Yay. That's awesome. Yay. While you're thinking about all those things or none of those things, depending on how you fall on the whole holidays situation, make sure that you have gotten your booster because you might be seeing family coming up. Don't Did you get yours? I got mine yesterday Yay. and my arm is so sore and the aforementioned sneeze muscle pull is on my right side. Oh, good. You brought balance to the humor. And I got my, so I couldn't sleep last night because I couldn't sleep on either side. I am not Please a Please don't dissuade sleeper. people from getting their, their Sorry, boosters. Get your booster. It's not that bad. I didn't have any other effects besides this fucking sore arm, which is just <laughs> driving me nuts. And if you're still hanging on to tonight. game balls, send those to <laughs> Meredith. Fight the man. It's the wait, right wait, wait, thing to do. Wait, we tell them how to, to find us. Oh my gosh. Right. That's right. Let's back up for just a second. And sure. you know, please tell, how, how can you find us? Find us on X. <laughs> slash Twitter. I know it, yeah. it sounds like a sort of a it's a porn site situation. Anyway, it's we're there at NCIP. Uh, a porn? I I am not, not happy with a, how this yeah, is going. We're, we're not on a porn site, but we are an X. Oh boy, that sounds awful. Anyway, it's NCIB podcast if you still like to X. I really gotta look at threads. Do you guys do threads? Does anybody do anything besides X? Please let us know where we should be because we are on Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball and the aforementioned Patreon. If you want to hang out with us on Christmas Eve, hey, throw us. We really have reasonable rates. You can pay like a dollar a month and get access to stuff like our additional five minutes of recording every week that you can tell us what to talk about. Or, you know, other stuff. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball. Lots of fun. And we really appreciate every buck that goes in there because it defrays our costs. We're not at the paying for beer stage yet. So, you know, we aspire to great things. We sure do. Hey, until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. If I get the new bar in, I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>